All right, you guys about ready? See, everybody's pretty much got your uh, meals done. I was warned by Miss Linda that you needed to, I needed to make sure everybody cleared their tables so I couldn't get food thrown at me. So I see a couple of desserts back there, but the muffins wouldn't hurt very hard, very much if they hit me. <coughs> Kevin, would you close that door too when you guys are done? I don't know if you heard me. It was so good to be here with y'all. Uh, I think I know most of you. There are a couple of you I don't know, but my name is Eric Schmaltz, and I am the worship leader here at the church and do a bunch of other things. Uh, more importantly than that, I am married to Aaron Schmaltz, and we have three little kiddos right now. Maybe them calling right now. So you have three kiddos, we've got Aiden, who is eight years old, and Cameron, who's six years old, and Ethan, who's three years old, and then we've got another one coming uh, in about a month or so. Uh, is that true? No, two months, in May, May 7th. Uh, so yeah, we're, Schmaltz household is full of energy and uh, adventure all the time and fights and <laughs> all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, but yeah, just thank you guys for having me. Um, is this, y'all can hear okay? Just want to make sure not too loud or too soft. Um, really excited about doing this. Belinda and Farrell asked if I would be willing to come and try to speak to you guys and be involved in the rotation. And I, I was just so eager to do that, just to be with you and uh, get to consider God's word together with you. Uh, before we do that, though, I, I just want to take a moment to encourage you. I I'm looking out in this room, and I'm, I'm just seeing God's faithfulness represented here. I'm seeing, you know, 20 or so ladies who, um, you know, so, some of you were, uh, you came to know the Lord early on in life. Some of you came to know the Lord later in life. Um, but I, I just see the sweet and, and sustaining grace of God when I look into your eyes. Uh, I, I know that God has been good to you. Um, and if, if there's nothing else that you're going to hear from me this morning, I, I was, just as I was praying for you, I just thought of this passage in Lamentations. Uh, Lamentations 3.22 that says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Just think about your life uh, for, for a second. Whether you are aware of it or not, um, God has been, has been giving you love. He's been pouring his love out on you. He's been pouring his mercy out on you. He's been behind the joy, uh, the laughter of seasons of plenty. He's been uh, sustaining you faithfully through seasons of difficulty and grief. Just think, think about all the, all the years that you've lived. Um, and, and just thank the Lord. Thank him for this unending mercy. Thank him for his posture toward you of love and uh, his commitment to you. And, and just think as we're, as we're thinking of that, as we're thanking God for that, I think the Lord just wants to, to say this morning, I want to pour out more mercy. I want to pour out more love to you. So uh, be encouraged. I think the Lord does have something to, to give this morning to you again. So... I'm humbled that you give your attention to me. I'm humbled that, that uh, I'm not unaware that I'm in front of a group of people who, you know, could be my mom, who, who could be my grandmother, some of you guys. Um, I'm well aware of that, 
the fact that you guys have much more experience in life than I do. Uh, all I know is what it's like to be an almost 34-year-old musician dad. That's like, that's, that's what I got. <laughs> I'm just stepping into the years where, uh, where some of you guys had done this 30 years ago. Um, and so in the most natural sense, I, I don't have a whole lot to relate to you uh, with. But in a spiritual sense, um, you and I, we've received the same undeserved love and mercy. We have the same father. Uh, we are headed for the same home. We love to sing the same old story. Uh, we find refuge in the same Savior. So in the most important ways, you and I are very much alike, and for that I'm grateful. And, but we don't put our hope in our similarities. When, you know, we're listening to someone speak to us. It's not, we're not trying to just relate to that person. Um, Eric Schmaltz doesn't have something to say that's going like, to rock your world this morning. Um, you can trust along with me that God's word is going to be sufficient to speak to us and that he receives glory out of using inadequate, finite creatures to proclaim his infinite wisdom and truth. And so let's dive in and, and ask him to speak to us this morning, shall we? Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for just the, uh, the eagerness that you have, God, to minister to your people. And uh, Lord, thank you for the contexts that we have in the church to receive ministry from you. Lord, thank you for the relationships that we have in the church that we get to receive ministry and give ministry to one another. And so, Lord, we just ask that your spirit would be here among us and would be ministering to us. Uh, Lord, speak to us today, we pray in your name. Amen. You guys go ahead and turn in your Bibles to today's verse. So you guys have been studying through the Beatitudes, is that right? How many has come to all the Beatitude classes so far? Okay, so a few of you guys, great. Um, today's verse, we're going to be looking at Matthew 5, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Um, and as you're turning there, just remember the context of this verse at the end of chapter 4, Matthew tells us that Jesus has been traveling all throughout Galilee, and he's performing miracles, and he's teaching people, and consequently this large crowd is gathered uh, to hear him. And so it's almost like Jesus, right at the end of chapter 4, is like, hey, I've I, I got too many people around me. I'm just going to go take a little break, and I'm going to go find a mountainside, and I'm going to sit down. And so he does that. He sits down with his disciples uh, to take a break, but you know, just like Jesus, it's almost like he, he never runs out of energy. <laughs> Uh, he, he doesn't waste that opportunity to rest in order to, to just serve himself. So he starts teaching his disciples that are there with him. And, and that teaching turns into three chapters that Matthew records of this sermon that Jesus is preaching uh, to his disciples. And that's become known to us as the Sermon on the Mount. Um, our verse is located right at the beginning of the sermon. It's in a very familiar section known as the Beatitudes, which you guys have been studying. So today we're coming to verse 6. And let's read that verse together. Verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Each of the Beatitudes begins with this word, blessed. And I know Evan talked some about this last, uh, last time you guys were together, which, by the way, if I got a chance to listen to Evan's message. It was really good. So if you didn't hear that message uh, on meekness in, in chapter, I mean, in verse 5, it was really good. So I'd say go listen to that. Uh, but to recap, blessed is another word for favored or fortunate or privileged. It could also just simply mean happy. 
Uh, and so in the Beatitudes, Jesus, I think, is wanting to show us the way to the happy life. He wants to point his hearers toward the path to true blessedness. But the direction the road, uh, the, the, the direction the road is taking us down is maybe not the way that we would initially think. Uh, instead of our happiness being found in things that we think, you know, well, would make us happy, uh, Jesus connects our blessedness to things that seem to bring the opposite uh, to pass. Things like, like poverty and things like mourning and persecution. These aren't the things that we tend to think will make us happy or bring us satisfaction. These are things we generally try to avoid. Uh, I mean, think about it. Who, who resolves to be poor? <laughs> who, who welcomes grief? Who's content with oppression? I, I'm certainly not. But it, it's in our human desire, our human nature, that, that we want to be satisfied. God created us this way. He created us with an appetite for glory, an appetite for joy. And, and he intended for that appetite to be satisfied, uh, to be found and experienced and satisfied in him alone. But, as we know, ever since Adam and Eve got sent out of the garden, separated from the source of life, we've been searching for this satisfaction. We've uh, been hoping to find something to finally and fully whet our appetites, our spiritual appetites. So, you know, people try all sorts of things. They try money, they try pleasure, they try relationships. Uh, but when we look around, we see the fallenness of the world and the, and the brokenness of our bodies and the seemingly better, even if it's all not all perfect, but this better blessedness of the people around us, and it just further accentuates how we long to be content. We want to be happier. We, we want to be more financially secure. We want to have less relational conflict. We want more free time to do what we want and when we want to do it and how we want to do it. Isn't this what you feel inside of you as you walk around every day? Maybe it's even a little closer to home. Maybe, maybe you just wish your body could be healthy again so that you could go back to doing the things you love to do. Or maybe you just wish your children and grandchildren would remember that you exist and just pick up the phone and give you a call and tell you that, you're think, that they're thinking of you and that, they, that you still mean something to them. Or maybe all you want is for your husband to show that he cares about you, to say, you know, I love you every now and then. Or maybe you just long for the day one of your loved ones calls and says, Grandma, Christ is my Savior. I've given my, myself to the Lord. These are longings that we have, aren't they? We all long for something. We all seek to be satisfied in one way or another. And this longing leads us to sometimes, if we're not careful, searching for, uh, for something else to fill those voids, someone else to fill those voids. We start looking, even trusting in anything that promises to give just a little bit of the life we want, just a little taste. Well, the prophet Jeremiah describes it this way in Jeremiah 2, verse 13. He says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. The people Jeremiah was prophesying to, they, they had the same problem we do. They were thirsty. They were unsatisfied. They had spiritual dry mouth. Um, and instead of turning to the fountain of living water, Jesus, uh, Jesus they, you know, that promises to carry them to eternity and satisfy their hearts forever and ever, never ending, 
So instead of turning to this fountain, they, they turn their back on him. They grab a shovel, John Piper says, and start digging holes in the ground, putting their mouths to the dry dirt, hoping to get a sip that will satisfy. But notice how Jesus responds. He doesn't take this lightly. He doesn't just give them a plan for making better, more efficient, eco-friendly cisterns. He doesn't give them better shovels. Uh, he calls what they're doing evil. He says they're, they're committing evil against me to go looking for some other source of satisfaction. They've stared Jesus, the righteous, all-satisfying Savior in the face, and they settled for sand sodas. And he tells them, you've, you've forsaken me. I own the market. I'm the fountain of living waters. I alone can quench your thirsty soul. You're, you're looking in the wrong direction. The wrong place. You're searching for the wrong source. Jesus is saying, if you want the desires of your heart to be met, to receive the benefits of the blessed life, to know what it's like to really rest and really be satisfied, then don't salivate over the momentary morsels of the world. They'll leave you hungry every time. And they'll do nothing to nourish your soul. Just think, Jesus wants to say that to us this morning. God, through the prophet Isaiah, said it this way in Isaiah 55. Again, it's probably another familiar passage, but just listen to it again, thinking about this idea of hungering and thirsting for, for Christ. Uh, Isaiah said, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and you labor for that which does not satisfy? Why do you do that? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear. Come to me. Hear that your soul may live. You can just hear Jesus' compassion. Even though he's saying, you're forsaking me, you're doing something evil, he's, his arms are open. He's saying, come, come to me. I think the psalmist gets it right in Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And Jesus himself says in John 7, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. This is, this is the way we were created. This is what Jesus wants us to get in this verse that we're studying this morning. He wants us to know it's possible for our hunger to be filled. It's possible for our thirst to be quenched. We don't have to suffice for famished, malnourished, dehydrated souls. We can be satisfied. But we must hunger and thirst for what will truly satisfy. And Jesus, in our verse, says that we must hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so what, what does Jesus mean by this word righteousness? What exactly is he saying that we're to hunger and thirst for? Uh, the term righteousness, it can be defined as, I looked this up, a life in conformity to a known standard or law. So you could look that up and find that yourself, but I'll say it again. A life in conformity, so a life that's conforming to a known standard or a law. Um, just think of the Jewish people. The Jewish people would have been very used to thinking of life in terms of of conformity to the law, conforming to the law. 
this was their spiritual life. I mean, that's, that's the way they existed. You know the law, you keep the law, and you offer sacrifices when you break the law. You know, they just worked and worked and worked at that. And the scribes and the Pharisees, who Jesus talks a lot about in, in the Sermon on the Mount, they saw themselves as the experts of this, uh, this system of law-keeping. A- and they made sure that everybody knew how good they were at this system. Um, but a few verses later from our verse, in Matthew 5, verse 20, Jesus seemed to shock everyone when he said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, then, he, then he goes on, as, as if that wasn't enough, he goes on, he gives six examples of how the outward righteousness of the Pharisees uh, this self-righteousness, how it was unworthy of the true citizens of God's kingdom. So in verses 21 through 26, he says, we must not kill, uh, sorry, we must not only kill, but more, we must not sustain anger against a brother, but seek peace. In verses 27 through 30, he says, we must not only not commit adultery, but more, we must not look upon a person lustfully. In verses 31 and 32, he says, we should not condone divorce just because there's a legal provision for it in the Old Testament. We should surpass the righteousness that makes peace with hardness of heart and keep our covenant commitments and not marry those who don't. In verses 33 to 37, he says, we should not only keep our oaths, but more. We should be the kind of people who do not need to take oaths in order to be believed. In verse 38 to 42, he says, we should not only not poke out an eye because one of ours is was poked out, but more, we should turn the other cheek and return good for evil. And in verses 43 through 48, he says, we should not only love our neighbor, but more, we should love our enemy and pray for those who persecute us. This is just a, a totally backwards, upside down life that Jesus is calling his, his people, the people that are belonging to his kingdom to live. This is, this is a righteous life. He's, he's wanting to communicate. Righteousness is more than rules. Righteousness is a life. It's a heart. It's a purity of heart. Um, but this is the, the life that Jesus is calling his hearers to. He, he wants them to think and speak and feel and behave like Jesus. He wants us to love like Jesus loves and forgive like he forgives. He wants us to want what he wants. He wants us to be righteous like he's righteous. And he tells us to pursue this righteousness in the same way, <laughs> in the same way that we would, just, I, I love pizza, so in the same way that we would pursue a piece of pizza if we hadn't eaten for two days. So think, you, you haven't eaten, I don't know what your favorite food is, pizza's one of my favorite foods. Um, or, or think of this way, you, you've just walked across a scorching hot desert. Think about the way that you would pursue a nice cold glass of water or lemonade. This is the way he wants us to pursue his righteousness. You'd let nothing stop you from getting that piece of pizza, or nothing stop you from getting that piece of, I mean, that drink of water. Nothing else would matter more to you in that moment, would it? Uh, because you'd be so convinced of the worth of that pizza and the worth of that cup of water. The Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians, I think he knew what it meant to hunger and thirst in this way. In Philippians 3, verse 8 and 9, he says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. So I don't care about anything else. I haven't eaten for two days, God. I want the pizza. 
God, I've, I've been walking through the sun. I've got sand all over my body. I need a drink of water. Paul says, I count it all as loss because Jesus is worth it. And he goes on to say, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. So you see, it's, it's just an upside down life that Jesus is calling us to live. It takes, it takes faith to believe in this Jesus. He teaches things like the first shall be last and the poor shall be rich and the weak strong and the fool wise. So, so think about your life. Are you, are you hungering and thirsting for what Jesus calls right? Is that what you're doing? Do you long to please your Savior and do all that he commands? Do you seek him with all you are? counting everything else as rubbish compared to knowing him and pleasing him. The blessed Christian woman is not the one who seeks after the things... Oh, sorry, I wrote that wrong. The blessed Christian woman is the one who seeks after the things Jesus calls blessed. Not the things that she thinks are blessed, but the things that Jesus calls blessed. Her aim is not to fill her cisterns with dirty rainwater. She doesn't nibble on nuggets that won't ever nourish. The blessed Christian woman finds life at the source, at the fountain of living water. She is, as Jesus will say later on in chapter 6, she's the one who seeks, after, who seeks first the kingdom of God, seeks him with her whole heart. She longs to know Christ. She loves to worship Christ. And she lives her life in light of his supreme value, seeking his righteousness with all of her attention and affection and allegiance. And she knows that when she does this, when she first seeks his kingdom, then all these things that she longs for on the earth, all these, all these temporary things that you just want to be better than they are, uh, all these things are going to be added unto her. And maybe not exactly in the way that you want, but it, it's going to be in the best way. That's the promise that we have. When, when you drink from this fountain, when Christ is your all, when you want what he wants and lives as he calls you to live, you will be satisfied. That's what this verse tells us. Hunger and thirst for righteousness and you will be satisfied. Until one day, oh, I can't wait to be able to say this, and I'm sure you guys even more so than I know uh, cannot wait to say this. But we can say this with Paul. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now... There is in store for me the crown of what? Righteousness. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. It's in 2 Timothy 4, verse 7 and 8. So, so what is Jesus saying to, to you this morning? This isn't just a teaching that I could be given to anybody. I mean, it is a teaching that anybody could listen to. But God's wanting to say something to you guys, you ladies, <laughs> this morning. <laughs> So what is he saying? What is he wanting to communicate to you? Do you hear him calling you? Do you hear him speaking to you? Do you hear him asking? Are you spending your days running your own cistern business? Are you manufacturing ways to store up wealth and security and, and joy 
but never actually seeming to be satisfied? Have you been hoping for waters to collect in the trenches of your own effort or plans? Is he telling you to lay down your shovel and drink from his fountain? Let's pray. Jesus, you, we just want to ask for your spirit to be here now, Lord. I, um, I don't trust in my rhetoric. I don't trust in, in even my intellect, Lord, to do anything for these ladies. Lord, we trust in your spirit. Uh, Lord, we've considered your word. We've, we've heard you speak to us from your word. Lord, now we ask for your spirit to come and minister to us. And you aren't calling, Jesus, these women to respond in their own strength and resolve. You're not telling them to hunger and thirst, like just to, to do that better. Um, you know, no, none of them can do that. None of them can come to you on their own. But you are inviting each of them this morning to come, to draw near to the fountain. Some perhaps, for the first time, they're considering you this way and and are hearing you say, come and drink. Um, many of them have, have tasted before. They've tasted of your goodness. They've been satisfied uh, by all that you have, by your blessings. But maybe they, they're here this morning and they've, they've just forgotten how refreshing you, you are and how satisfying you are. And you're calling them to come. So, so, Lord, so Lord, we come. Lord, give us faith to come. We, and when we come, we, we know, Lord, we don't, we don't bring any money that can buy the satisfying life you offer. We, even if we had money, we, we wouldn't be able to have saved up enough to purchase for ourselves what, what your perfectly obedient life purchased for us when you went on the cross and died in our place. And, and you did that to make us righteous. And so, Lord, we, we come trusting you. We come because of you. We come to you. And we ask you to meet us in our coming. Lord, I pray that for these ladies. Lord, would they, would they be refreshed this morning? Would they, would, they, would they sense your nearness as they come? Or would you, you know their situations, Lord. You know what life feels like right now. You know what difficulties they're experiencing. Lord, you know the relational tensions they have. Uh, Lord, you know the burdens that they carry for their families, for their grandchildren, for their children, for their friends, for their relatives. Lord, you know, you know all of that. And you say, come, child, come and drink at my fountain. And... So Lord, we just want to add our voices to the hymn that was written so many years ago. Just come thou fount of every blessing. And Lord, we want to ask you to tune our hearts to sing your praise. We want to ask you to pour out streams again this morning of your never-ending mercy so that we might delight in you, so we might trust in you, Lord, uh, so that we might hunger and thirst for the righteous life that you've given us in Christ. And Lord, we do this because of you. Um, we love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for letting me speak. I think we've got some questions, right, Belinda, on the table. Uh, I asked a bunch of questions in there, too. So if there's something that I said that stuck out to you as you're, you're talking that maybe isn't written on there, feel free to answer that question as well as you're talking. But uh, thank you all for letting me come and speak. It was a joy. Love you guys.